Good morning. I'm Carly Cooper, a worship intern here at Marion Methodist. I'll be reading scripture today from the book of Acts 8, verse 4. It reads, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to Assyrians, Samaria, and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is the water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Let's pray for Pastor Mike. Dear Lord, as Mike prepares for a sermon this morning, pray that the words he speaks will not be of his own, but your words flowing through him. I pray that you bless the story we are about to hear, and that the message and the gospel will be so- soaked into every single person's hearts. We wish for you to protect him, guard his mind, and minister to his heart, and have your words become his own. In your heavenly name we pray, amen. Well, welcome, 1015 service. We're glad that you've joined us in worship. This morning, as, as Simon said, uh, a number of our hospitality and tech and worship teams are here today to prepare for our reemergence next week as a live and virtual congregation. Uh, we would love to have you, as he said, live, but if you're not quite ready for live, uh, join us online at either 815 or 1015. I have to tell you, those of you that are here, it's kind of a joy to have people actually in the seats again, um, and the potential exists that you might laugh at my jokes. Amen? All right. Earlier they said, don't count on it, so I understand. Um, Today, I do want you to pray 
for our schools. Uh, get out there, get on your knees, stand up, whatever it takes. Um, Marion and Linmar are both starting within the next seven or eight days. So pray for them, pray for the other schools that are going on, teachers, administration, children, families, all that. We're in the midst of a pandemic, and of course we pray safety. Now, lo the lovely and talented Carly has just read the scriptures and prayed for me, so it's time for me to preach, and I am ready. We are now concluding the nine-week sermon series that we've had all during mid-COVID, becoming what we were born to be, the church. And today, we are born to introduce others to the Lord. See, I love the book of Acts for a lot of reasons. One, one of the huge reasons the book of Acts is so popular in my spirit anyway is that the Spirit of God spreads because the faithful become what they were born to be. Even though the church is scattered all over, those first few verses that Carly read talk about how this church is scattered because of persecution all over the known world. They're being harshly persecuted, and yet, miraculously, by God's strong hand, the church is growing exponentially. Now, here we are in mid-COVID. Twenty-some weeks we've been scattered as a congregation, maybe more for some of us. And that same spirit that fell on Philip on the Gaza Road falls on the faithful empowering us to be what we're born to be today the same strong spirit we were born to introduce others to the lord every person is looking for their place everyone i've ever met is looking for their place i i remember just a few months ago being in our premarital counseling and one of, and the couples were doing a lot of things to get ready for their lives and, and then they said you know we've been out there shopping for homes because we're looking for a place where we can build a home. And just not too long ago, I talked to someone on the phone and she was hurting and aching. And she said, Pastor Mike, I'm just trying to find my place. I'm just trying to find my place. Nothing is lonelier than to be a person without a place. Some of us have been in those positions once or twice in our lives and we know that nothing is more lonely than being a person without a place. In scriptures, we see this. Matter of fact, it's one of the punishments of, of God. When Adam and Eve break covenant with him, what does God do? He casts them out of their place. No longer shall you have Eden. No longer will it be easy for you because you have this place no longer. And their son Cain, who killed his brother Abel, what did God do to him? He said, for the rest of your life, you'll never have a place. You'll wander. Abraham looked for a great part of his life, for a place. Moses and the Israelites, for 40 years, had no place. And now we come across, we encounter the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian has no place. He's a eunuch, so he's not going to be a father. He's not going to be a spouse to anyone. He's an outsider because, of course, obviously from Ethiopian, he's a very dark-skinned man in an olive-skinned country, and he is desperately seeking desperately seeking his place spiritually physically because he's such an outsider in everything listen we crave a safe place a place where we're loved and accepted just as we are isn't that why dorothy said there's no place like home there's no place like home there's no place like home and i know some of us here and watching on the internet our parents who have sent our adult children out. And one of the last things I know I said to my children, and I know some of you that are gathered here and those watching online said to your children, 
talking about your family place, you've said this is always your place. If you ever need a place, remember this is your place. But here we are today in mid-COVID, and we find the simple fact that many today don't have a place. They don't have a place spiritually where they can engage their seeking spirit with God. They don't have a social place to be where they can be with and around others. And emotionally and psychologically, there are many in our generation that simply have no place. And like them, the Ethiopian that Philip encounters craves a place. And the good news of Jesus Christ is to all who are seeking their place, the good news for all who seek a place comes from God's voice who says, I am that I am, which means when he says I am, it means I am everything that is. It encompasses everything. God is everywhere, and he says, I have a place for you, every single one of you. I'm, in fact, I am the place for you. Just come to me, those of you who are heavy and weary laden. Come to me, those of you who have a joyful heart. Come to me, those of you who are hungry for a place. And this Ethiopian eunuch is hungry for that place. Oh my goodness, he's hungry for that place. He is actively searching for it. He's studying the scriptures of the religion that will not let them wor him worship with them. He's reading the book of Isaiah and he yearns to meet the God of Isaiah. Now understand that he didn't have a church app like I have. He couldn't read the scripture from his phone like I did. Matter of fact, he couldn't pick up the scripture in this form either. The scripture in his day would have been on scrolls. So a person that is not in that faith to have bought the scrolls or found the scrolls of Isaiah probably had to have one or two of his own servants. Remember, he's the powerful man, not Philip in this situation he probably had two of his servants holding them okay as he reads them and the angel instructs philip go down to the road that goes down to gaza when he gets there the spirit says get up by that chariot when he gets up by the chariot he hears the eunuch reading the scriptures and philip because he's walking beside the chariot says do you understand what you're reading and the eunuch says in language of today no, but I really want to. I really want to understand what God is saying to us here. And so Philip, he, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, then stops the chariot, bids Philip to come up with him. And Philip, starting with Isaiah, the scriptures from Isaiah, interprets all of scripture up through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension. And then, in his baptism, the eunuch has found his place. Praise the Lord. The eunuch finds his place. But many spend their lives looking for an entrance to the place that God has prepared for them. Many are still looking for that place. Years ago, my family was vacationing, and we were at Wind Cave in South Dakota, and we took a tour, and of course, you know, you have to sign up for tickets and all that, and we had a tour guide, and this tour guide, you know, he's a young guy, probably, you know, around 23, 4, something like that, and um, one of my daughters said, how did you become a tour guide at Wind Cave? And he had the simplest answer. He said, you know, bending over to probably little Sarah, he says, you know, someone introduced it to me. They brought me to Wind Cave. And I kept coming back over and over again. And I realized that I do not want to keep its wonders to myself. Is this not, is this not how faith in the Lord 
has expanded in you? Is this not how faith in the Lord has expanded? Someone introduced us to him. We kept coming back to him or we kept coming back to the church because he's our place. We kept coming and back. And so, so how the church spreads, how the word of God spreads is when we decide we cannot keep his wonders to ourselves, we have to share. Christians are born to introduce others to the Lord, to tell them this is their place. A little story of inclusion, I guess. My first day at Iowa Wesleyan College, uh, we had gone down because I was playing football, so we got there two weeks before all the rest of the students, so there was no one in the dormitories except the football team. And when my mother rolled up to the, the dormitory, because we didn't have cars as freshmen in those days, and I took out my couple of bags, I was, in a word, terrified. Because I was about a buck 65, five foot 10, going to be a linebacker at Iowa Westland, and I was met by very huge men. Two of them, all defensive linemen, two of them African American, which we didn't play very much with here in Marion, and two uh, Anglo like me, but all had beards. And I was just trying to find a razor, you know what I'm saying? And so I kind of trembled my way up to my dorm room. I put my bags down. It was a few minutes before we were supposed to report to the first thing, which was lunch. And as I was sitting there thinking, what have I done with my life? My doorway literally appeared because there in my doorway was the shadow of the man we called Big Lee Collins. Big Lee, six foot six, 280 pounds, from Phillips High School in the south side of Chicago. And he said, freshman, come on, you're eating with me. I don't know if I've ever heard more wonderful words in my life. Because from that moment on, at Iowa Wesleyan, I knew I was in. That was the place for me. You see, because of Big Lee Collins' invitation, his intention, and his inclusion, I, I was in a place that was mine. You see, Christians, we're born to introduce others to the Lord through, through intention, through invitation, and inclusion. Today's strangers to the Lord, today's strangers to the church, become tomorrow's, and, and, and seekers, become tomorrow's persons who can say, I've found the Lord, and He is my place. I've found the church. And it is my place. But introduction always begins with intention. See, Lee intentionally spoke to me. Walking by my dorm room would have been much easier for him. But when he walked by, he must have saw the lost and looking in my eyes. And he stopped and walked in. So I ask you, will you see those looking for an entrance? Do you see the lost and looking? Do you see the person that's without Christ? Do you see the person without a church home as one who might be looking for a way to him? As one that might be looking for their place? Or, or do people that are lost and looking mostly make you nervous? They should not. Will you offer what you have? Will you offer the Christ you know, the magnificent wonders of him? Or will you hold that to yourself? See, one of the most interesting things that happened to me that day, August 19-something or another, Lee intentionally offered me a seat at his table. He'd been away from his friends all summer. He's a college guy, so he probably left in May. He'd been away from his friends all summer, yet he gave me a seat at his table, at their table. And I was 
part of the group just because he invited me in. Christians, you see, that's our faith. We're to offer seats intentionally in our place. We're to bring people to our place and say, this is your place. You're welcome in this place. It doesn't have to be my place anymore. It can be our place anymore. Now, the reason I bring this up, it's pretty simple. It is pretty simplistic. Not one person, not one in the New Testament, if you read it, and I have, not one person comes to know Jesus Christ in the New Testament without the assistance, without an introduction from another person. Not one. Not one person in New Testament comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior or as their place without the assistance, without an introduction from another person. So will you go to them? Big Lee came right into my room. He was not going to be abated by anything. The Ethiopian is out here on the road. It's on the road from here to there. You probably will never be there, but here's the thing. Philip goes to him. Philip walks right up beside him and keeps walking beside him, waiting, waiting for the Ethiopian eunuch to give him an entrance into his place. See, we need to go intentionally to those who are seeking a place and offer them ours. This truth, the truth of Christ, this congregation, this place. Now, an introduction begins with intention, and then an introduction includes an invitation. The personal invitation is the best way, the greatest way to draw to anything. You and I love being personally invited to anything. As a matter of fact, two-thirds of the people in North America who claim to be Christians were invited first to a Bible study or to a worship service by a friend, relative, acquaintance, or neighbor. And I'm sure many of those invitations were unpolished, imperfect, and awkward. But I will tell you this, unpolished, imperfect, and awkward invitations are usually the most effective. Freshman, you're coming with me. That is not a polished invitation. That was not from the Iowa Wesleyan Admissions Bureau. That's not how to welcome students, to tell them they're coming with you, me. But it hit my heart. You know, if you're given a wedding invitation, uh, you should proofread it. You should make sure all the fonts are right. You definitely need to make sure the date and the time and the place are right. You can spend a lot of time polishing up a wedding invitation or an invitation to your retirement, but please do not overthink the nudge. You know, the nudge that, that, that Philip got from the angel, go to this road. The nudge that, God, that, that <clears throat> Philip got from the Spirit, <clears throat> stay with this chariot. The nudge that you get that makes a person's name come in your mind or you say, I should call so-and-so or I, you know, I really should invite them to our church. Maybe they would invite, love meeting Christ. Do not overthink the nudge to invite one to meet the holy. Don't overthink it. Just make the invite. Don't worry about it. Let God work out the rest. That booming invitation, freshman, you're eating with me, is among the top few most effective invitations in my entire life because invitation really, really works. The undrafted, unsent, unspoken invitations, they're the least effective, right? It, at home, I want everybody to be saying amen, because if you don't send the invitation, if you don't ask, it's not effective. Invitation is preceded by intention, but introduction is completed by inclusion. Will you share what you have? I mean, we love to share the stuff we like, right? 
I mean, I bet even with the small amount of people that are in this room right now, we could get a pretty good dialogue going on us sharing what we think is the best automobile company, right? Some of you say, oh, it's Nissan, oh, it's Toyota, oh, it's, you know, and, and we're able to proclaim that. We're able to share that. We'd have no problem sharing what's valuable to us in the, in the car that we drive. We don't have any problem sharing, sharing whether or not we believe a PC format or, or a Mac platform is the best kind of computing. And I know, because I've heard some of you people have no problem talking about what your favorite coffee shop is and why you should go there and what you should order there. But will we share our place? Are we willing to share our place? Are we willing to advocate for the inclusion of those without a place? Are we actively willing to go out? Will we hold the door open long enough to let them in and tell them clearly, this is your place? Will we hold the door open? I mean, I love, uh, earlier this morning, the hospitality team was here. And that's one of the things I love about to see on Sunday morning is the hospitality team standing outside and the, and the safety team standing outside, opening the door, literally waiting literally beckoning to people that aren't yet in the building saying by that open door this is the place this is your place come on in i'll hold the door open even longer than you think is necessary see philip did this for the eunuch of ethiopia he held the door open he, he walked the road when the chariot stopped he got up he explained to them and then i love this piece that moves from 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 religion to faith when the eunuch i don't think philip thought of it i don't know it doesn't record that when the eunuch said there's water what is to prevent me from being baptized and that's when philip completely opened the door and said let's get in let's get in and he baptized him in the name of the father son and holy spirit and those wonderful waters of baptism and and and, and getting in the water with the eunuch philip is in, in a deep way saying come on my place is your place and your place is my place and our place for both of us is in the lord so we ask that about ourselves are we willing as philip did to include them in the fellowship work and mission to give the new person, to give the seeking person, to give that one that we know that we should be beckoning to that's yearning for a place probably, seeking for a place, maybe quietly, maybe even through a gruff and tough exterior. But will we give them equal share in it all? Will we, will we move our feet and our fannies to make room? See, the thing I love about, about this invitation Lee Collins gave me many, many years ago back in 19-something was he moved over. He says, I know where my spot is, so I'll give you my spot because I've been around on this campus long enough that I know where the other spots are too and I'll take one of them. We do that at our own home. When someone comes into our home, we say, hey, take my seat because you know where the other seats are. And in the church, I'm not talking about seats, of course, although that would be smart for some of you to give up some of your seats. We need to offer our spot in our ministry. We need to offer our spot in, in some mission that we're in because we know where the other spots are. So to include another, to open the door wide for them, sometimes we need to give that up. You see, we were born to introduce others to the Lord. We were born to be the church. And the church has never been supposed to be a small little club. It's a group that shares its very self and its very meaning with others. It allows others to become what they were born to be. Even in COVID, COVID is no doubt probably one of the hardest times that most of us have lived with 
and through. The early church was being persecuted. The leaders were being killed. They were being hunted down. They were needing to meet in secret. They were challenged at probably a much greater level than we are because we have phones and internet and neighbors and access to people. So even in COVID, even when we won't fill this room up, and we won't for a little while, we understand that, we need to be making sure that we offer a place at the table of Christ to all because we found it to be our table, our place, and we need to share that with the seeking. So